have something that is yours that can't be easily taken away from you and earned you a residual income and has appreciation potential and the, the opportunity to grow real wealth and then control what you want to do. And then you can do what matters most to you. Yeah. And it's like from that place, when you step into the mindset of an investor, you're not just working for an income, you're working for the growth of that equity. I'm Stephen Pesavento and welcome to the Name Your Number podcast presented by The Investor Mindset. As someone who comes from a challenging childhood, I've spent my life seeking financial security, personal growth, and ultimately freedom. The freedom to not wake up worried about the next paycheck, but rather with the confidence of knowing that my passive income pays my bills without the need to think about it. When you name your number that you'll earn passively, that creates your ultimate quality of life, then I believe you've achieved real freedom. Welcome to my show. It's time to name your number. I have Paul Thompson in the studio. How are you doing today, Paul? Uh, doing great. Look, uh, looking super forward to having this conversation, Stephen. Yeah, I'm excited to have it as well because I feel like you and I are two people who've kind of had a discovery early on that what we were doing wasn't necessarily fulfilling us and that maybe yeah. there was more to life, right? And, you know, you left the yep. corporate world and, you know, I went and did the same and kind of went on this entrepreneurial journey. And although there's many different journeys you can go on, it's the one that we chose. And, you know, mm -hmm. as I'm sitting and reflecting and thinking about, you know, what's most important in life, finding that path towards both making an impact while creating a great income, you know, it can be challenging because as you go out, and you be an entrepreneur and you run your own business and you hire people and you start doing the work, you know, it can end up being a little tiresome. You know, we trade one set of problems for a new set of problems. Sure. Oftentimes they are better, right? But it's yeah. all about that perspective. So kind of starting off, I'd love to know what perspective do you carry in life when it comes to the work that you're doing and how do you keep yourself engaged and excited as you're on that path, getting closer and closer to your dream and your vision? Well, I think that's it. It's, it's having a dream and a vision that gives you purpose. It's having a, a, a worthwhile goal to strive for. And so much of whatever you're doing in life, it is not so much the achievement that makes it worthwhile although that's certainly nice, it's the person that you have to become in order to be capable of achievement. And, and so let's maybe make that a little more practical. Uh, you know, so somebody listening to this right now, they're, they're in the middle of a, a valley in life. Like they're, they're having struggles. And you and I have certainly probably had our own struggles that we could talk about. And we're all going to have that moment where it was like, I just don't know why, why we're doing this. Is this worth it? And in those moments, you need to have something that is your uh, driving purpose and not just a passion, you know, you know I, I'm not passion and purpose are different things. And I'm talking about something that's, that's purpose. I, I want to make an impact. I, I want to really connect with people and I want to um, see the light bulb go off over their, their eyes or, or over their, head and see their eyes light up when they find their thing that they're made for. Like they're, they're just encoded to be an entrepreneur, to be a developer, to be, you know, uh, some people are, are like an accountant, like that's okay. You know, it doesn't have to be a, a, a sexy, um, a socially accepted and sexy thing. If your purpose is your purpose, then you can get through those valleys in life. And I think that's what we need to come back to 
And uh, there's a, a saying that I'm going to so paraphrase. I, th- I think it was a tribute to Mark Twain, but you know, like half of quotes on the internet are attributed to Mark Twain. But there's this notion of like, there's the the day you're born, and then there's a the day you realize why you were born. And when you find the reason why you were born and the thing that you want to do, then what needs to be done becomes much more obvious. Yeah, and it's from that place that all of the great things in our life start happening, and all the things that kind of led up to that moment. They give us the skills, the experience, the knowledge, all of the things that allow us to then step into that purpose, step into that next chapter. And yet it can be scary. It can be a little bit frightening because there's a lot of unknown. There's a lot of uncertainty in that place. So for you personally, Paul, Mm -hmm. how did you discover and define what your purpose is or the purpose that you understand today? Uh, so there's this uh, concept uh, in from Japan called Ikigai. Have you ever heard of this? Mm-hmm. Ikigai. Um, and then there's a series of questions you can ask yourself. It's called your Eulerian destiny. Um, and I, I'll do my best to get them right. But there's a, there's a series of questions in the overlapping Venn diagram of the answer. It helps inform your purpose for doing something in the world. It's like, well, what were you around most as, uh, um, when you were a child? What are the things that you're, uh, you can talk about endlessly without any preparation? Uh, like, well, what are the things in life you're most curious about? Um, and when you start investigating some of those questions, then it helps uh, inform you that, okay, this is my thing. Like, this is how I find the, the discipline of life that just really fires me up. And I don't have to go and revitalize myself. So for me, I found that when I learn something, I cannot help but to go and teach it to somebody else. And I, I wouldn't say I, I ever aspired necessarily to be a teacher, uh, but I like information and then I like sharing that information because it's one way for me to help re- reestablish and reaffirm what I think I know. It helps me challenge when I say it out loud to somebody else and it helps me challenge what I've conclusions I've drawn. Um, and I just cannot help but do that. I've done that ever since I was in grade school. I would learn something in class and I would be the guy on the side trying to help somebody else learn it because that's just what I've always done. Um, and that's just some, for whatever reason, an aspect of my personality. And so when I learn about real estate or I learn about uh, entrepreneurship, I just cannot help myself, but to try and share it with somebody, uh, whether it's for profit or just because it's fun, I just find myself uh, in front of an audience uh, usually a small intimate audience is where I, I, I thrive, but I am in that environment trying to share information. And so I just collect big ideas and share them. That's kind of my purpose. Yeah. And so it's so interesting, right? Because it's simpler than it sounds uh-huh. to be able to figure these things out. But oftentimes it can feel overwhelming trying to discover like, w- what is it that I'm actually here for? And, and when we put so much pressure on making sure that it's right, making sure that we know every little detail, kind of going into that perfectionist mindset, it mm-hmm. often can take away from the energy, from the juice, from the benefit of discovering what that thing is that's right for you. And right. the reason that I wanted to start here is because when you name your number, when you draw that line in the sand, you decide how much you need to live the life you want to live. Mm-hmm. It opens up so many more possibilities because the only way that you can actually 
fully draw that line in the sand is to start discovering more about yourself, discovering right. more about what you're meant to, to do, what your life is going to be about and what mm -hmm. excites you. Right. And I loved what you talked about there, that curiosity, you know, the curiosity of the thing that you're already excited to talk about, excited to do, right. you might be passionate about it. You might just be interested and in kind of on sure. this ever uh, path of learning. Yep. But then for you personally, you found a way to kind of pull that back and be able to share that with others. Cause that's what lights you up right. when you've talked to other folks and you've worked with other people kind of going through this process of that discovery. What are some of the things that you've noticed that are similar or what are some of the other examples of, of things that other people, not yourself have been drawn towards when it comes to what kind of they're, they're here to do. Right. Uh, so I have a business partner that lives in Dallas, the Dallas area, and his zone of genius is his thing is he just really likes having conversations with people. He's just a really sociable guy. Like he's really good at connecting people and he's like, everybody just likes him. Like uh, he just can effortlessly talk to a stranger about and they can even be, can say pretty nasty things to him. And he just laughs and says, yes, and, and just continues talking to that person. I mean, I've, I've been in, in front of town councils um, for a development project where the, uh, the city council was um, very uncooperative to, to our, to our, um, what we wanted to do. And then afterwards, uh, the, the lady came and talked to us and was telling us about all the reasons why what we were doing is bad for the city. <laughs> and, and it was a, a kind of a funny moment, but it's also kind of stressful. And my personality is to say, well, here's why you're wrong. And I wanted to like list off the reasons. And he's so much better at that. He, he, they were laughing and telling jokes and he was able to handle that situation with such grace compared to where I, I would have been like, almost like a lawyer, like, well, let me tell you how you're wrong. <laughs> which <laughs> would not have helped at all. And so he's an example of somebody who has a, a zone of genius. There's this kind of this purpose to connect and get to know people. That is just something that he is ingrained in him and he doesn't have to work that hard at naturally being good at that. Yeah. And so it's once you can discover what this thing is, what is right. your gift, your superpower, then mm -hmm. you can actually begin to apply that directly into your own life, into the things you're doing. And Right. The truth is most of us are somewhat aware of what we're good at. Maybe we have a phenomenal voice. Maybe we carry a great message. Right. Maybe we're curious and we're learners. Maybe we are very analytical and whatever that thing is, that is your thing. Mm -hmm. And then you can understand, Hey, how can I apply that towards getting to the life that I want to create the impact, the income, the, the lifestyle, all of those different pieces. So Paul, for you in particular, I'm curious, you know, have you named your number and more importantly than the number that you named, what did that process of drawing a line in the sand and then designing your life in order to be able to create that, what did that do for you? Yeah. So I'll walk through that a little bit because uh, that was a bit of a process for me. Um, you know, I had a current lifestyle in Little Rock, Arkansas. Um, you know, I was a middle income or I'm sorry, I was, I was a middle manager with a um, probably, a, you know, a six figure income and I was a single income family. My wife stays at home and we wanted to maintain that lifestyle uh, without me having to constantly go to work. So, so so much of me about naming your number was also for me, like naming how I spent my time. 
And mm-hmm. I wanted to be able to earn a certain number for me. It was, it started off at $5,000 a month and then it, it, it escalated to $10,000 a month. Um, so now that I can comfortably earn $10,000 a month without spending a lot of time and effort to do so, now I have what I would consider a, a level one financial independence. You know, I, I'm not going to be uh, living in an exotic life. I'm not driving a private jet, but that's my like safety and security. That's my, my, my foundation of my lifestyle. And then I can spend time working on projects that I certainly have a profit motive in, but I don't have to win every single project. Uh, mm-hmm. And it just, it just changed my life, right? Like that. I, I can, I can always fall back on this, this portfolio of rentals that I, that I, that I have that pay my, my fundamental living expenses. And, and that process for me um, was, you know, going back to kind of like personal finance one-on-one, like what do we really need to spend? And when I came up with the initial number of $5,000, it was probably enough to survive, but it wasn't enough to thrive um, for our chosen lifestyle in really a low cost of living area in Little Rock, Arkansas. Um, But, you know, our our kids go to private school. We've tried public school uh, at every level. Uh, Elementary worked, middle school and high school for our kids did not work here. So we've elected to go to private school, which is ridiculously expensive. And so that um, modified our lifestyle, uh, our our need to earn a little more to be able to comfortably be able to send our kids to the schools that we feel make the most sense for us in our situation. And answers the question. Being in that position, being in the position to be able to know that you're level one, right? You're, you're, your basic expenses are covered and knowing Mm -hmm. that you're able to then create the life for your family. How did that feel compared to the old way, the traditional way, the I'm, you know, I'm grinding for a paycheck, I'm doing this thing. And, and I don't exactly know when I'm going to get out, when I'm going to get off the, the old treadmill as we call it. Right. The rat race. Um, the, the feeling is, is the feeling of freedom. It's the, the, Every once in a while, your job will remind you who's really in charge. Uh, you know, sometimes you have a cool boss and they're flexible. And sometimes, you know, you know, you kind of like your, your work and your coworkers and um, you, you're, you're lucky that you have a boss that you like. And when that's going on, you know, you're like, this is okay. Like I, I've, I like most of what I do at work You know, I don't hate my job. And for anybody in the situation, that's awesome. And I was in that way, in that position for a while. However, you can't control the environment. And bosses change, companies get purchased, layoffs happen, and just they're outside of your control. And so you don't really have the freedom and autonomy that you that you think you have. And so you're extremely vulnerable to the whims of a of a of a company that's going to create some sort of cold equation spreadsheet, which I have been a part of, where I would look at spreadsheets of employees. We'll say, well, that one's got to go. That one's got to go. This one makes too much. Great employee, but they make too much. And I've been in, in those meetings. And of course, those same meetings are happening that I'm not involved in when my name is on that list. And that's happening in every corporation of any size. And so I think the idea of relying on a corporation or a government to take care of us is, is fraught with danger and uncertainty that I think we underestimate. 
And, and so I, it's okay to be an employee, but I think it's so much better to be an employee of a small company where you really know each other. And, you know, that, that, that's being closer to being a, a human where we were in, when we were a tribal species and a group of about 150 or less is kind of like the ideal tribe size for, for humanity, according to scientists. Um, and anecdotally, that feels right to me. And when you get inside of a, of a corporation that has more than 150 employees at one site, you don't know them all. There's, there's just like, there's this weird friction where you break up into like sub tribes and you're like, you war against each other. And anybody who's been in corporate world or government uh, jobs has seen that, that them versus us dynamic that happens inside, inside <laughs> of corporations. And it's, it's politicking. It's like, who has the control and who has the power? And, 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 the, and the thing we miss is that when we're in the middle of those fights for control and power, we have already given up our control and power by working for a corporation. So when you are able to buy back your time by creating income outside of a job, then you can work for a company if you wish, make an income if you wish, but you don't really need that income anymore. You're, you're, you have your own thing that's comfortably covering your living expenses. And it, I think it actually makes you a better employee because you'll, you're not just self-serving. You're there to serve the organization you're part of. Yeah. And it's so interesting because I, I love capitalism. Mm-hmm. I am a big fan of free markets and right. being able to have people be able to go out and build businesses and make an impact. But it is interesting that as companies grow, they become more efficient and sometimes effective, but not often. Right. Um, but as they grow, you have to start focusing on specialization, meaning one person does right. one thing and yep. they do that thing over and over and over again. And that's what ends up leading to the efficiency that leads to higher profits. And as yep. these companies grow, as governments grow, then you start getting further and further away from that community, from that yep. connection, from that tribe. You have it in a microcosm within those little groups, sure. but it's not the same. And that's one reason I believe a lot of people are starting to be much less happy, much more anxious, because they don't necessarily feel like the direct things that they're doing in their life are leading to the changes that they're desiring from their life. And so when they hear about things like entrepreneurship, when they hear about investing, they get excited because it's an idea that might get them more of that autonomy, that control, that influence, being able to do something that makes more of an impact. But at the same time, there's so much uncertainty. There's so much uncertainty, what you don't know, leaving the security of, or the pseudo security of, of working in that company. And then as people do go and try to do their own thing, they recognize that they've traded one challenge for another challenge. And many of those people end up leaving. They end up going back to the old way because they didn't learn the new set of skills in order to succeed in that space. Mm -hmm. So what I'm really driving towards is this idea that sometimes the grass isn't always greener, but from your perspective, how should... How should I, how should the listener be thinking about getting clear on making those steps towards creating that independence so they can spend more of the time doing the things that they do really care about and what they're really here to do? I think we're all in a race to get to that number. Whatever your number is, you need to get into a a purpose, uh, passionate uh, sprint to get to the place where you comfortably have that 
uh, net worth or cash flow number so that you then have bought your freedom back. And the way to do that is to own equity. And so you can uh, earn and invest and, and invest in the stock market and have equity in you know fractional shares of of a of a big you know Fortune 500 type company or a public company anyway. Um, you could start your own business. You start with a side hustle and have it grow into a business that you're going to do. You can be a you can be a full on entrepreneur. You can burn the boats and build your mm-hmm. company, and hopefully your your plane flies before it crashes. Uh, you could, and that's why I like real estate is because it, it's a happy combination of the two. Is it's still a business, uh, but it's also part investment. And uh, I'm not dogmatic or religious about any of those asset classes. I'm dogmatic about we each need to be owning a piece of the equity of some one or all of those asset classes, because that gives you the autonomy and the ability to have something that is yours that can't be easily taken away from you and earned you a residual income and has appreciation potential and the the opportunity to grow real wealth and then control what you want to do. And then you can do what matters most to you. Yeah. And it's like from that place, when you step into the mindset of an investor, you're not just working for an income, you're working for the growth of that equity. So you might be working at a small startup or a small company. You might be having the ability to make a direct impact and influence the growth of that quote investment. Cause in this case, you're investing your time and -hmm. maybe you're taking a lower salary. So you're also investing that income potential that you're making, but you have to be very intentional about deciding and choosing the right investment or the right company to do that. Or if you're going to go into real estate or buy businesses, it also comes down to making that that kind of decision. So from your perspective and the things that you've learned, Paul, how would you go about thinking and discovering what is the right opportunity to make those investments of both your time, your money, and kind of your skill set? Yeah, I think of it as kind of like the five pillars. And so it's time and money are kind of the intuitive ones. And then you also have your knowledge and then you have your network and then you have like your, your, your project, your deal, the business you're going to invest in. Uh, Like it's some sort of um, value creation opportunity. And when you think about those five pillars, you think about what do you have and you kind of rate yourself on a scale of one to 10 on each of those five pillars. And so if you are an employee and you're working full-time, you know, 40, 50, maybe 60 hours a week, and all your time and energy is kind of taken up by that job and it earns you an income, that's great. Uh, so you have some income, you have some money to deploy, but you don't have a lot of time. So you probably don't have a lot of extra margin in your life to deploy that time to start a business or to certainly, um, you know, start a, a full-time gig, right? So you're, you're taking the resources that you have access to and you're trying to leverage them into an ownership stake in a discipline that you're interested in. And so one of the ways you can think about um, your investment strategy is, uh, do I want to be an active or passive investor? Uh, Active takes more time, but you have more potential upside. Uh, Passive takes less time, but you probably are capped at a certain amount of uh, return in most cases. And and, and you need probably less knowledge and network when you're a, a truly passive investor. You find there a couple of right people to invest with or a couple of right things to invest in. And you don't have to worry about creating deal flow 
or creating a new business. You can just invest in the stock market. You know, it's easy to find opportunities for something to invest in. You decide if it's good or bad, but you have you have options. There's a, there's a, a myriad of options to choose from. And if you choose to be active, then you need to choose something to specialize in and grow your knowledge base so that you can leverage kind of some sort of informational advantage that you've gathered or a skill set that you've gathered to then deploy into a business that you're actively being involved in that takes a lot more of your time, but potentially takes quite a bit less capital. You, you can potentially borrow money or uh, bootstrap a, a business and not need a lot of capital to do that. Yeah. And when you identify these five categories, I love that you've kind of laid that out. Time, money, network, knowledge, project, deal, equity, whatever those your, kind of your value kind creation of entity. Yeah. 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 And so it's, it's from that perspective, you can determine, well, what do I have to offer to this opportunity? Cause another example right. is you could come into an investment and you could put very little time and very little money into it, but you have knowledge or you have a network mm-hmm. and that network could, could be so valuable to the company that you're going to end up receiving, you know, equity or income back for those, for those interactions or those connections. Absolutely. Um, but it's really important that you get clear on this piece because it's when you name your number, you've got to draw that line in the sand, but then you've actually got to create a plan to get to the life you want to, you want to live right. and investing is a great way to be able to do that. I think, you know, when you own something that goes up in value or pays you, that's where you can start to have that recurring revenue, that, mm-hmm. that, uh, recurring passive income, if you will that will allow you to have the option to choose what you want to do. And you want to understand, well, what are the assets that you're working with today? Right. And one thing that I would just share is the distinction from my perspective, when you're a passive investor, you're actually earning majority of the profit on those deals. You know, So your upside potential actually could be very great mm-hmm. in relation to not spending the time. But in exchange, what you're doing is you've got the money and you're mm-hmm. using that money with somebody else's time, expertise, knowledge, relationships, network, right. uh, finding the deals, those kind of things. But you also have to have enough knowledge to know what's the right opportunity for you. Yeah. So, Paul, when it comes to choosing that right opportunity, when it comes to deciding which of those things or which opportunity is the best, what do you recommend uh, when it comes to actually saying, hey, I want to go and invest and I want to choose that company? How do they know if it's the right company or the right fund or the right opportunity? Yeah. And this, uh, man, we could write, I think we could do an entire podcast series for the next 20 years over that conversation because it's (laughs) such a, I mean, that that is the fundamental question is how do you determine uh, what the likely return is on a given investment and what's the best, you know, risk adjusted return for your personality. So um, what I'll do my my best to summarize this quickly is you, you want to choose an asset class that you have some understanding of. So whether that be the public stock market, whether that be real estate, whether that be a business like a private business that you in private invest in privately, or you start your own business, any of these disciplines that you get into, it's it's you you want to understand what's happening. And um, let's just take the, to simplify the scenario, let's say um, I've decided that I, that real estate wants, wants to be one of the things that I want to get into. And now I want to d- decide what kind of niche or kind of asset class that I want to invest in. And in yeah. that case, I think what you're doing is if you're a passive investor, you're 
uh, almost certainly going to be investing with somebody who's going to run this this business. And so what you're really doing as much as in investing in the fundamental asset is you're inv investing in the operator. And even Warren Buffett talks about this when he does investments in from Berkshire Hathaway, he's looking at management. And so you're like, you want to marry a good management team to a good opportunity. And the management team is usually the one that's bringing up the opportunity. So, hey, I have this um, you know, real estate project. I have this uh, business endeavor. I have this fund that I'm running, whatever the, the fundamental asset is, somebody is raising their hand and saying, this is an opportunity. And so you want to you're betting on the the jockey as much as you are on the horse because without a good jockey it doesn't matter how good the horse or the the asset in this situation is if the manager is not doing a good job if the the jockey in this analysis or this analogy is not doing a good job it doesn't matter what the what the opportunity is you you need you're betting on the management team to do a good job and live up to the the promises of expectations that they've that they shared with you so i think Really understanding the fundamental asset class, what the what the risk adjusted return possibility are, and the the uh, uh, track record and the uh, integrity and the aptitude of the jockey is the are the kind of the three overlapping things that you're looking for. Yeah, that's such a great way to put it. I always talk about the importance of gaining the skills and knowledge so that you can make those right selections, mm, right? You have yeah. to follow the right people. You have to have the right team around you, advisors, mentors, coaches that can help you choose the right operators, the right management team who are going to be able to choose the right opportunity. So I think that was so well said. As we're getting close to wrapping up, I've got one more question for you. But before mm -hmm. we go there, Tell the audience um, how they can get in touch with you and, you know, share any asks that you might have of my audience. Sure thing. Well, I, I appreciate you having me on here too. It's been a lot of fun. The best place to find me is on my website, pauldavidthompson.com. That's uh, my uh, common name. I have the curse of a common name. Uh, unlike you, I have a curse of a common name. So I had to use all three names to get my own domain. So pauldavidthompson.com spelled about the way you would expect those names to be spelled. And I have the same um, handle, so to speak, on most any um, social media that's out there. That's awesome. Well, this has been so great. And I think this particular topic that we're talking about is so important when it comes to naming your number and creating the life you want is finding that purpose and then figuring out what the plan is that's going to allow you to get there. So mm -hmm. as we wrap up, what advice would you give Paul to the folks who are listening and they're inspired, they want to create a better life. They want to be able to step more into their purpose and they want to be able to earn the kind of income they, they want to earn. What would you recommend uh, as regards to what they can do or what they can model in order to kind of create that for themselves? That's a good question. So when you're thinking about like, what am I going to do now? This is, you know, this is a great conversation these guys have had, but you know, what are my, what are my actions? Uh, so I think it's fundamentally a decision that you, that you have to make to invest in yourself, that you're worth it, that um, you need to get a piece of equity into something that's going to pay you an income or has the potential for appreciation. And you need to get in the game. I spent 15 years sitting in the corporate world, hoping, dreaming, wishing, fantasizing that one day I'd figure out a way to start a business and create wealth and uh, kind of go for it. You know, like, like, like 
get out in on the field mm-hmm. and it's, I, I, I'm okay that the outcome isn't even certain. The, the action that takes the, the personal courage it takes to take action is the thing that's holding you back. Like you are your own worst enemy here. And sometimes you can just kind of step outside of that, that fear, the doubt, the uncertainty that's holding you back and go for it. Uh, because like the, the greatest regret that most people have at the end of their lives is that I wished I'd lived my life for myself and not based on the status quo of somebody, of somebody else. And like 75% of people who are interviewed at the end of their lives say that regret which is a sh- an absolute terrible shame. Mm-hmm. You know, as far as I know, we only get one chance at this life and it's here for the taking and you can make of it what you will. And being afraid of what may or may not happen is a far greater regret than going for it. Maybe not even being wonderfully successful, but at least you went for it and you got in the game and you figured out how, how to do it. And the really only failure that you have in doing that is if you choose to quit. Because we're we're very fortunate. We live in the modern world. We live in the 21st century. Uh, Most of us, if you're listening to this, you're probably speaking English. You're in a a, a modern uh, first world country. Like there's there's safety nets in place that you're in. You're probably not going to be destitute, even if you don't succeed. Like you can restart several times and go for it. Because if you don't, you're assured the outcome. Yeah. That's really, really powerful. And Paul, thanks so much for sharing some wisdom with me and with the audience. And for all of you listening, thanks so much for joining us and uh, hope you'll take some action on the things we talked about. And we'll see you on the next episode. Today's episode is sponsored by Von Finch Capital. If you're interested in investing alongside me in the same type of real estate opportunities that I personally invest in, then head over to Von Finch Capital and join their private investor network. You can do so at vonfinch.com slash invest. Join me on that next deal. I look forward to seeing you on the inside. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and share with a friend. Head over to theinvestormindset.com to join the Insider Club, where we share tools and strategies from the top investors and entrepreneurs on how to take it to the next level. Hey, this is Steven again. Just one more thing before you take off, and that is the Insider's Newsletter. Would you enjoy getting a single email every week with some of my favorite things, including tips and strategies on how to get the most out of your life and your investments? Basically, what it is is some of the coolest things that I've discovered or am pondering when it comes to life, investing, and business delivered in a short email every week to your inbox. Easy to sign up for, easy to cancel. If you'd like to try it out, Type into your browser, investormindset.com slash newsletter to get started, and you'll get the very next one.